Hey, podcast, thanks so much for listening again today. Hey, listen, if uh, you get any value out of this episode, I'm sure you will. Please share it with anybody that you think needs to hear it and um, leave us a review. We would love to see our reviews amp up in uh, 2021. And uh, thanks to all of you who have left them so far. But uh, those of you who haven't, you're listening right now. Please go ahead and um, stop the car. Take your earbuds out, maybe in between sets at the gym. Uh, Take the 16 to 65 seconds that it takes to leave us a review. Any old review will do, even though if you were talking to John, he would say it's got to be wicked good five stars. Um, We got Chris Peden on this podcast. He's amazing. He's a CPA. He specializes a lot with hairstylists and salon owners. And um, everything from independent contractors, you know, self-employed stylists to um, stylists that work on a commission basis to salon owners of big and small salons. So you're going to want to listen to this episode and share it out to anybody um, that you think maybe could use that financial advice. Um, One quick thing before we start, if, if you're a salon owner manager and are looking to up your game in 2021, maybe this 2020 kind of, you know, uh, it's got you stumbling on your heels a little bit and you want to get the ball moving forward again. Football analogy. Apologies, everybody. Um, we have a four-day intensive coming up. It's a four-day intensive workshop for salon owners and managers. It's February the 21st and 22nd, and then again on the next weekend. It's a virtual event. So it's four days over two weekends where we'll be going through everything from leadership Um, in salon, how to coach your team, how to help them to achieve the incomes that they're desiring and grow the clientele that they're looking to grow, as well as strengthening your team culture and, um, you know, coaching your staff, P&Ls, pretty much everything salon owner related we're going to be covering. So if you're interested in that, you can email us at info at 124go.com. The cost on that, we really slash the price on this. Um, it's $1,295. That's $1,295. Um, last year, we did this same exact thing. It was a live version of it, but for $2,495, um, it was a huge success. People absolutely love the information that they got and um, really weathered the storm this year. A lot of our uh, four-day intensive graduates did an awesome job this year running their salons and getting through you know, all the crap that we went through. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can do that. If you happen to be a Kuhn Loyalty Club member, uh, for you Kuhn users out there like us, um, the Kuhn is has made that a part of their loyalty program. So you can talk to your uh, Kuhn sales consultant and they can point you in the direction of the loyalty program. And you can actually use your business builder fund to pay for the event, which is really awesome. I think it's you know beautiful that Kuhn's uh, stepping up, supporting us in that way. They always have, um, you know, they're my favorite color brand to work with. They're, they're my favorite, uh, some of my favorite people in the world work for that brand because they're out there really trying to help salons grow. So um, I think that's all the announcements I have before this episode. Appreciate you all. Again, Happy New Year. If this is your first episode listening to us back from your vacation. And um, without further ado, enjoy the episode. What I've said before is that if your CPA talks to you like you're stupid, it's time to fire the stupid CPA and find somebody 
who can, will sit down with you, talk to you, and put this in ways that you can understand. Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Suleme. And as usual, sitting here across the Zoom with my great friend, Mr. John Palmieri. And we have an awesome conversation lined up today. One that maybe is not our typical conversation because much of the time we're talking about hair professionals, hair salon owners, independent contractors, self-employed stylists. But today we have the pleasure of taking a look at the other side of the business. And so our guest today is a man that we just met recently at the, I wanna say TSA compensation workshop that was sponsored by um, Nikki Lee. And we got to listen to this man share some of his knowledge. And what's so cool is, is Mr. Chris Peden that's on with us. So first of all, welcome, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Um, What's so cool is, is Chris was one of the first accountants that I ever had the chance to listen to that understood the language of the beauty industry. And a lot of what came out in the conversation was, is that money sometimes can be a scary conversation for both the salon owner and certainly for the salon professional, the person practicing, working behind the chair. And there's close to 2 million of us in the United States. And so Chris was able to share his expertise. Um, He's the owner of Peden Accounting Services, And he was able to share his expertise around the salon industry. And he just shared from a place of knowledge and understanding. He had a lot of helpful advice for owners. They were really captivated. And I think we're excited about getting into a QA. and a But um, John? Wicked pumped. Yeah? Yeah. Why don't you start us out? Um, Chris, let's do this. Because I think one of the things that interests me is you're an accountant right? Yes, sir. What the heck are you doing hanging out with hairdressers? Well, actually, I've been dealing with the hair industry for quite a while. My wife's matron of honor is a hairstylist. So I've been seeing what she's done and she's been talking with them and and talking with her about what she goes through. I mean, she she doesn't own a salon, but she goes through and she cuts hair. She made my wife look beautiful on her wedding day. So I'm very grateful for that. (laughs) But as I talk to salon owners and people who cut hair for a living, I'm sensing a lot that some confusion or just downright fear about, okay, this money thing, it kind of scares me. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid of doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm also afraid to ask. Right. And that's kind of something that really shouldn't be because accountants, there's been a big trend in accountants over the past 15 years to be a strategic business partner. Mm -hmm. The, someone who could come in with a business and say, you know what, I'm going to help you build this, help you build your dreams. Right. And I love entrepreneurs and you guys are the Indiana Jones of an entrepreneurs because you go in there, you find, look, I'm great at this. 
I want to share this gift. How can I do this? And that gets me excited because I get excited about talking about money and finance and taxes. And so, hey, here's a kindred spirits. Um, I'm not going to be able to cut anyone's hair. And uh, my wife says, don't you ever do that to our kids. But but there's just something exciting about these these people who go and they open up a salon. They say, I'm going to share my gift for the world. I'm going to make people look beautiful set them up for their weddings and set them up for the important days of their lives and make them feel like a million dollars. That's just awesome. And I, I want to help them and help them build their dream. That's why I wanted to get involved with it. That's awesome. Chris, you know, I, I want to touch base on something you just said, because it was interesting to me. You said over the last 10 to 15 years, there's been this change in the accounting industry where you're becoming like a strategic partner in the business. Yes. Now, I've always got there's feedback that I've gotten in the past when I've coached other salon owners that there always was this kind of struggle with communication between themselves and the accountant. And, you know, here's the thing. There, there are all types of hairdressers in the world. There's all types of accountants in the world. There's all types of lawyers in the world. There's all kinds of doctors in the world. This right. isn't about any profession. But yep. I find it interesting that the accounting industry maybe as a whole has decided, you know what, we need to go down this road. Because I think one of the challenges has been when I've talked to salon owners that are looking for coaching, you know, and they talk about their finances. That's been one of their struggles. I thought my accountant could help me with this. I thought my accountant would help me with that. And I'm struggling to get that help. I often think of it just a vocabulary problem. I don't think you know what to ask for, right? Um, exactly. And of course, there's that fear piece. But talk a little bit about that shift in your industry about being more of a strategic partner and not just somebody who does your profit and loss every quarter. Well, what has happened is that the technology has gotten just so much better that if you go when you do QuickBooks, it's what I say to my clients, get on QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. And because what's going to happen is it's going to pull the information from your bank and you can sit on a Saturday while a significant other is watching some game and screaming at the television because the, the, their team isn't doing what, but you can sit there and just go, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. And it's very easy. So the bookkeepers no longer are, are starting to lose their jobs because technology has gotten so, so much easier sure. that they don't have much to do. So they said, okay, how can we level up? And well, you know what? We can be a partner. We understand. We can read these financial statements mm. and we can help guide people where they want to go. Mm. And what I've said before is that if your CPA talks to you like you're stupid, it's time to fire the stupid CPA and yeah. find somebody who can, will sit down with you, talk to you and put this in ways that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in college, I used to tutor uh, my fellow students. And what I found was easier is just say, what's your major? And, and put this in ways that they would understand. Like I had somebody come to me who was a bodybuilder and I talked to them about, okay, so if you own a gym, how can, you know, you got to keep track of your inventory of your vitamins, what have you. And they got it in a second. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that can you sit down and talk to them or will they talk to you in a way that you understand? Because if they can't do that to you, they're not doing their job. Right. Because we're kind of like doctors, the way we sit and diagnose, but we also have to understand your, anatomy and understand mm-hmm. how you work and how you view the world yeah. so that we can come back to you and say, okay, this is how we fix it. But there's a change coming or there is a change in process that, you know what, we need to be partners with these people. We don't want to be in a back office with our green eye shade and the, the, mm-hmm. the little thing that plants <laughs> the thing here and just 
be like, uh, I'm going to say Arvid Ingen. I'm going to uh, age myself here sure. and just think, well, you know, this should go in this column, this should go here, and this you need to balance what have you. We're, we're, we're not doing that anymore. We're a little more dynamic. We want to start talking and say, how can we help you build your dream? So technology is forcing change in the accounting industry as well as, as our own. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I think about an accountant, let's start with the basic fundamentals. Why do I need an accountant for my business? A lot of times, yeah, the, the technology is advancing, but there's also times that you may not understand how to, to do something mm -hmm. and how that's going to affect your financial statements. The financial statements, all these are doing is telling a story. Mm -hmm. This is the story of your business. This is what it's doing. And can we can also take a look at trends. There's little formulas we can use to say, well, you know what, this should be this way. And comparing it with other people in your industry, um, something may be wrong. Like, uh, do you have enough cash? Do you have enough working capital? Well, compared to other salons, you have you ha don't have enough. So you need to start bringing in cash or not charging so much on the credit card. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, you have a lot of cash. There's a lot you can be doing with this. How about we try, you know, maybe expanding or maybe move this cash into an account where you can start earning some interest that you can use to fund your business a little bit more. So Love it's that. taking a look and just kind of translating those into what I call everyday people talk. Mm -hmm. So that's why you want an accountant is someone to sit there and say, hey, here's some ideas of how you can run the business better. Or, hey, there's this thing in the IRS that came out. Maybe we can take advantage of it so we can keep more money in your pocket to grow your business. Um, I got a question just as I'm listening, because I love where John just went with that. Do you work with both self-employed stylists, small, smaller shops, as well as larger accounts? Yes, I do. It's pretty much anyone who's going to need some help. I work with everybody and I love seeing these problems saying, okay, how can we solve this? Okay. So with that said, what are some of the most common challenges, problems that when people first sit down with you, and I'm thinking hairstylist, salon owner specific, what are the things that stick out the most to you right away? The thing really that sticks out the most is just putting their financial statements in front of me saying, Chris, what are these? I, I don't understand what all this is about. The CPA sent these to me, and I don't understand what this is telling me. And uh, you know, I, he sent me this this tax return and I owe all this money. Um, how do I owe all this money? It doesn't seem like I'm, I'm, I'm making enough to owe this much in taxes. So it's okay. What, what's happening here? The story and your, like I said, on the financial statements as well as the tax returns telling the story. And maybe there's a, if you all remember the choose your own adventures, you just went to the wrong page mm -hmm. in that choose your own adventure. And we need to get you to the right page so that we can get you keeping some more of that money in your pocket. But, just the, I just don't understand what, what these are telling me. Can you tell me, help me understand what these financial statements are or, you know, yeah. So that's pretty much what the big question I get is, can you help me understand what this is and what this is telling me? Mm -hmm. And when they come and when they come in and I, you know, I have, for, I have the independent stylist on my mind right now. Right. The reason why I do is because they're a large portion of our industry. And by the way, I don't work in that type of a company, um, but I care about these people because they're yep. hairstylists and they're, they're a large portion of our industry. And I think there's a difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance. Oh, yes. And I think that people can go and, and be legal 
and be, you know, par to par and not evade taxes. They don't have to break the law um, that you can avoid taxes as an entrepreneur, whether you're a small or larger salon in some ways, and you might not know what they are. So I guess I just wanted you to speak to that for a second. Well, yeah, actually tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance, perfectly legal. And the funny thing about it is if you take a look at a tax, I've got the, you get the USA, US tax guide. It's about maybe yay thick, about three inches thick. Well, about maybe this much has to do with everyone's taxes. And then the rest of it's going to be things that can be done to reduce your taxes. And I'm always studying uh, ways to save money on taxes. You know, set up a retirement, self-employed retirement plan. Put your kids to work. Uh, do you have the right structure? I mean, if, so if you're a, an independent contractor and maybe it's time for an S corporation, mm -hmm. just kind of taking a look through everything that you're doing and say, well, what are some ways to do this? Is this a great puzzle to do to try and figure out, okay, here are some things the IRS says you can do. Let's see what we can put in place. And for me personally, I'm very conservative. If I can't back that up with an IRS code, you ain't doing it. Or you can go find somebody else to help you down the road who's going to take a little, who's going to be uh, more closer to the evasion side than the avoidance side. Chris, you said something interesting. You said, you know, this is kind of like a puzzle. Is that what attracts you to this? Do you like playing with puzzles? Yeah, it's actually, it's passed down to my, my kids. My, um, my youngest son is a puzzle savant. He can do a 750 in about two hours so wow. 750 yeah he's um he's autistic but that's just his superpower yeah. so yeah that draws me to it says okay well how can we do this now i i don't like the irs yeah. I, you know if they go out of business i'll go find something to do else to do but <laughs> i want to see how i can make it so that you know what are ways that we can keep money in your pocket because you will do a lot more good with that than the government would so let's keep it in your pocket um chris i know this is hard because everybody's different all different there's businesses are different, sizes are different. Um, but if you were kind of making, if you were painting the world with a wide brush and there are one or two things that we might want to know to help us decrease our tax burden that we often miss, you know, when you work with clients, what are those one, two, maybe three things that we often miss that, you know, we should stop missing? Okay, the big one's going to be set up a retirement plan for yourself, a self-employed retirement plan. You all have heard of IRAs and Roths, sure. and you can put up to $6,000 into that. And with a Roth, it really depends on how much you pull in. Mm -hmm. But with there are things like self-employed pension plans or, or simple IRAs that you can, it's really a percentage of the income that you put in. And really for some of those, what happens is, is that I will do your tax return and say, you've got this much and you can still make a contribution to those plans by April 15th. So you can wait until you know what the damage is and then make, say, all right, if we put, if we put this much in a retirement plan, it'll cut taxes by this much. As long as you write that check by April 15th, that's going to be huge. Right. So that's, that's a huge one that I see a lot of people missing. So, so you can either write that check to the IRS yep. or you can write a check to your Roth or simple IRA and and, and make that check lower, but you can get yep. some of that money in a retirement account. Exactly. And it can grow. And I was talking with some advisors I was working with, and I was telling them what I was doing. I said, hey, make sure that they know about something called a multiple employer plan, mm -hmm. where if you have a bunch of stylists who are working independently, they can group together and, and, and get in on one of these oh. and they can, they can start saving and uh, have different, like I said, pulling, pulling together 
and sit down and talk to an advisor and say, yeah, we, we've got a bunch of people who want to start a multiple employer plan for a retirement plan. And the advisors will talk to you and say, okay, well, let's see what we can set up. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Same, same. Um, obviously, there are different tax responsibilities based on the type of how you get paid. Um, yep. If you're an employee and, you know, there are many of those in the salon world that are either paid on some kind of a salary or a commission base. Um, and then you have self-employed or I just call them salon owners. I think, yep. you know, they're a salon owner. Um, what are some of the ways that unemployed, you know, a, a W-2 employee can effectively lower their tax burden as well. Well, first of all, yeah, let's go there first. And then I'll, I want to ask the same follow-up question. I think John just asked, what are some of the big ticks? But uh, the other would be, what are, what are some of the kind of things that should be obvious that we miss? Well, it really depends on your life situation. A big one is if they're offering a retirement plan and they're matching that, you, you take that money. It's free money. Um, if they, 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 if you don't need that extra money, um, you've got my contact information, please put it in there. They can send me the money they don't want to put in their retirement plan. I'll gladly take it because I got stuff to pay for. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the big things is get in a retirement plan, set that because it's going to lower what your taxable salary is. So you're not paying as much taxes. Plus you can grow that for when you retire and, or even grow, go out on your own. So if I'm an employee, and yes. I'm contributing to my company IRA or my company 401k. Yep. That money comes off is it, it's pre-taxed money and that yes. lowers my tax responsibility. That's yes, it does. That's huge. And really also, um, then it also depends on what, where your situation in life is. If you've got a mortgage, well, how about some charitable contributions? Maybe there's a charity you want to support and you making by making contributions to them, you can do some good as well as get a tax break there. Also, um, are you making work? I'm here in Virginia, so we have something called a 529 plan. If you want to send your kids to college, you can, that's, that's a, in the state, that's a deductible contribution that will lower your state taxes. And then as well as if you're putting your kids through school, well, there's going to be, uh, you can paying your tuition. That's, a, that's a break as well. But if they're not old enough, then maybe they are, um, they have some after-school care or you put them in an after-school program that's uh, you can put some money towards that and get the child care tax credit things and things of that nature all right so so this is why we need an accountant right yeah because an accountant can help us look at all these tools that are available to us yep help to us to avoid paying so much that we pay in taxes. Yes. Um, for those who didn't get to see it because, you know, you, this is a podcast, you didn't get to see Chris's hands. Chris showed you that the, the tax guide is three inches thick. The part about paying taxes is like a quarter of an inch thick, but two and three quarter inches of that book are ways that you can de decrease your tax burden. And I love that, that imagery that most yes. of the book is about how to cut back on your taxes. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about profit and loss statements. Yep. That's okay. And the yes. reason I want to talk about it is because I think that's the, the form most of us are familiar with, right? Yes. A profit and loss statement, a P&L, an income statement. And, you know, forgive me, but working with other salons, one of the things that I know happens is they get this brown envelope at the end of the quarter 
and it goes in the pile with the other ones, <laughs> right? Yep. Because I don't know what that thing says anyways. I know yes. I'm just supposed to have one. So Chris, why do I need a profit and loss statement and why should it not stay in that manila envelope in the pile in the corner? Well, what it is, is like I was saying before, it tells a story of what's happening with your business. And as a business owner, you can sit and look at it and find ways to run your business better. So you pull out that P&L statement, profit and loss statement, and you go, okay, here's how much I made. And then you go through and say, okay, so that revenue number that comes in, the money comes in. All right. What made up that revenue number? Am I... Am I bringing in how much am I, is that coming from cutting hair? How much is coming from coloring? How much is that coming from stuff done on the face or manicures, what have you? It says, okay, so is this really what I expected? Or if it changed from month to month, why? Yeah. What happened? And then you move down to your expenses and say, okay, here's what I spent to get that. And maybe you ran an advertising campaign and you spent $5,000 with some kid who's going to say, I'm going to build you this sales funnel that's going to bring in all these people and make this much money. And then you look and your sales went up $100. Mm -hmm. So you say, well, wait a minute. I, I spent this much money on this. It didn't work. Or you spent, found something you spent 10 bucks on and it brought in $100,000. So it's right. asking yourself, okay, what did, what did me spending this money get for me? Mm -hmm. Or even sitting down and saying, okay, what moves can I make? What can I keep doing more of that's going to bring in more money? Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at that, it's kind of looking at it and going, okay, what changed and why? And is this the change I wanted to have happen? So you can sit down with your, with who are, your business manager, or what have you say, all right, I'm reading through this. I'm seeing this change. I see this change. I see this change, yeah. but I'm only seeing this much change. We need to change this a little bit. Yeah. So always asking, why did this change? Or what can we change to make everything better? What I like about that is even if you don't have a business manager, right? That if you've got a great accountant, you yep. can take that profit and loss statement and someone like yourself can go through that exact same process, right? Because you can yes. point out and say, hey, John, I noticed you paid $5,000 for some guy to create these um, marketing funnels for you. Do you know you only created a hundred dollars more in sales, right? Exactly. So, and and I'm, I'm assuming that's the new direction that accountants that you talked about at the beginning of this podcast is starting to create, right? Yes, exactly. Just sitting down and saying, okay, what happened? Why? Why did this happen? So that's being part of being a strategic business partner saying, well, you made this plan to get here and I'm seeing this happen. So what's going on? Or it's the accountant helping them hold them accountable, a little bit of coaching there mm -hmm. and saying, well, you said you want to do this, but I'm looking at your PL. I don't see where you're doing this. So not to, not to like beat on you or anything, but just say, right. Hey, some accountability here. It's either I do this or Nikki's going to get on you for not doing what you said. And right. Nikki's well, a great I, what coach. I, what I like about this line of questioning, John, and, and the, kind of you exposing that the profit and loss statement is a creative tool, just yeah. like looking at your KPIs, mm -hmm. you know, if you're mm -hmm. a stylist behind the chair, that when I look at this, it starts to tell me a story of what my business is. I'm, I'm curious, are there areas that you see people overspending kind of commonly in our industry that they may or 
may not be aware of. Yeah, let's let's do that two ways. What way? What places as an industry do you see us spending too much, and where in our industry do you see us spending not enough? So that works. I mean, one I, I did talk about was advertising, and the thing about it is, is that when you sit down, someone sits in, some some kid comes in, and says, "I'm going to build you this advertising campaign." The question is, is you can say, what is my RO, what ROI should I expect? Return on investment should I expect? And if I don't hit this, what are you going to do? Because I'm spending money with you on this to bring this in. So that's where I'm seeing a lot of people doing, spending a lot of money is that, well, if I do this and it's, and it doesn't happen, another is going to be training. Now you all need to keep your skills up to date, what have you but you don't want to get into um, become an information junkie. Oh, if I take this class, this will help. And we, we can introduce this new product line if we do this as well. Okay, let, let, let's slow down a little bit here. I understand you want to introduce this new product line, but how much research have you done on whether or not this is going to bring in the money that you're looking for? So slow it down a little bit. And as always, like I said before, if you're going to spend this, why are you doing this? How would you know that you're going to get the result you're going to do and if the person you're buying this from, what are the results they are going to bring you? So those are the two big ways that they are probably spending a little too much. I'm glad you said that because, you know, I have a lot of family members in the hair industry. Mm -hmm. Some of them will take haircutting class after haircutting class after haircutting class. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, yep. we as educators, I'm an educator. John's an educator. We sell education and we think it's very smart to educate yourself, of course. But there are times as an owner that maybe you could skip the haircutting class mm -hmm. and take a business course if that's the thing. And then the most important part, do the thing that you learned in the course. And a lot of times I do see people showing up to education and I'll see them at another educational thing or I'll see them somewhere else or get to talk to them. And they didn't implement any of the things that they spent on the education. They didn't do any of what was taught. Yep. Yep. And then they spend money to go to another, another education class. Now, I think it's great to go to education. I mean, it's I'm an education yep. junkie as well. But you're kind of offering the thought process of... Do I need to be spending this money or implementing right. right now? And product lines are the same thing. I mean, look, we have product brand partners. We think it's a big deal. We think you should. But when is it, when am I keeping too much inventory on the shelf just to remain an elite member of or a platinum member of? Right. My salon isn't the size that I need to be elite status. I don't need those kind of returns. And so um, that's interesting stuff. And I think that's the challenge with us being creative beings, right? We get, we fill our passion with education. We fill our passion with being able to offer clients new tools for them to use on their hair, new products to play with. But, you know, as Chris Peden has just said, there's a difference between being able to give that to your guests as Chris Suleme, as you said, you got to follow through with what you learned. Otherwise, what was the point? And then Chris Peden can say, okay, now, now that you learned it, now that you followed through with it, is it helping you make any money? Because not to be a mercenary about it, but in the end, 
I hope I'm making a little bit more money than when I started. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. One of the things I see people, salon owners, just kind of being afraid of all this. And it reminds me of a story when we, we took uh, my, my oldest son got baptized and we were at the, at the um, celebration afterwards. And my mother-in-law was sitting next to my dad. My dad was a um, chief financial officer for a retirement, uh, for a retirement play at the retirement organization for the National Automobile Dealers Association. Mm -hmm. And so he worked with billions of dollars. And my mother-in-law is the wife of a correctional officer and great people. And so she heard about that and she said, well, doesn't it scare you that working with billions of dollars? And my dad said, look, it's just a tool. Mm -hmm. Money is just a tool. So when you're there, you're sitting there and your stylist are thinking about this, and go, oh my God, this just all this, this money's Stuff's kind of scares me. No, 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 no. It's a tool. It's like a comb. It's like a, a some clippers. It's like um, color. It's a tool. You learn how to use that tool, you're going to be better off. You know, talking about not being able to ask the questions that you want to ask. I have a, I have a funny story. One of my best friends talks about getting his profit and loss statement at the end of the year. And he had like $60,000 worth of profit at the end. And the thing was, is he said, you know, to his accountant, you know, $60,000 worth of profit, you know, where is it? Like, where's the 60 grand? Yep. And the accountant gave him a, you know, a long answer. And my friend didn't understand what he said. So what he thought he heard was this was the accountant's way of telling him his wife had it. <laughs> Which I love. Uh, possibly. Story. But Chris, Peden. Where was that $60,000? Because it, it wasn't in his bank. Okay, well, you know what? There's another statement called the statement of cash flow, and that tells you where the cash is going. But what this does is it says, okay, you had this much income. And then this is what was the results of operations. This is when you would invest it in property, equipment, what have you. And then this is when you're doing financing, um, stocks, bonds, what have you, which most salons aren't going to deal with. But you can see where the change in cash occurred and by looking at that saying, okay, well, this much came in because I collected so much on the invoices I sent out. This much went out because I paid my vendors. This much was uh, depreciation on the equipment that I had. So it, then you'll come down and will say, this is the change in cash that you had. And at the end of the day, that's what the statement of cash flow says is this is where all the money came in and out. Chris, I love all that. But to be honest, I think that if I'm listening to this on a podcast, I'm trying to keep all this straight, right? Yep. So um, what I, what I want to know, see if you can help me simplify this a little bit. It says $60,000 worth of profit on my profit and loss statement. Yep. The cash flow is going to tell me how much I really have in cash because yep. of all these activities that are going on that we can talk about yes. later. Give me a simple explanation as to why the amount of money at the bottom of my profit and loss statement doesn't match the amount of money on my cash flow. Because what's going to happen is that even though you had, this is what you made from your operations, some of that had to go out the door mm -hmm. to pay for other things. Got it. And the cash flow statement is going to say, this is where the money went. I'm going to ask you another question. And this has less sure. to do with, you know, because I love everything you're telling us. How do I help me pick a good accountant? You know, because here's the thing. We kind of touched base on this in the beginning. I'm kind of scared. 
as a independent, you know, uh, proprietor, as a small business owner, I don't know what this stuff is. I'm afraid to sound stupid. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about something that's over my head. And so when this person, male or females in front of me tells me this stuff, it's kind of like your doctor, probably like a good hairdresser. How do you know when you have the good hairdresser that fits you? Okay. What I would say is sit down with them. And if you get an eye roll or a, geez, walk the <laughs> hell away from them. Okay. Okay. It's, you know, like I, like I've been saying, if, if you count treat you like you're stupid, it's time to fire the stupid CPA. Okay. So, but at the same time, know that we accountants get scared too and we're human i'll bring my wife in and she can probably go for the next hour on the stupid <laughs> stuff i do i'm sure you all have the same issue yep. um but no it, but the thing about it is is that just if, if you know if they're talking to you like you're stupid they're the ones who are stupid because really they don't know how much that you could add to their bottom line and there are other services they could provide you so if they're getting huffy about you not understanding what a cash flow statement is. Well, US Lana is not really supposed to. You're going to them for help and to ask them, what is this? And if they can sit down and say, you know what? Hey, you know what? I, I understand all this legalese. This is kind of stupid. Here, let me explain this to you in, in, in normal people talk. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of accountant you want to have. And they come and, and you know what? Maybe give them a haircut. And you can probably psychoanalyze them, giving them a haircut <laughs> Right. Um, it's really funny because, you know, sometimes some people say that, you know, you take them out and play a round of golf, you can learn more about them in business playing a round of golf than you can sitting across them from a boardroom, put right. them in a chair, give them a haircut and talk to them. And when I uh, talked to Nikki, that's kind of how I had my audition. She put me in a chair and she was cutting my hair asking me questions. So thankfully I passed. Um, <laughs> but Really, it's, you know what, don't be afraid to ask them questions, because mm -hmm. you know what, you are interviewing them, right? They are not interviewing you. Mm -hmm. It's as if you were bringing in a stylist who were just out of beauty school. That's who that's who's sitting in front of you. They're just out of beauty school. And they need to prove to you that they are worth your money. When you're looking at a healthy salon profit and loss statement, how much should a healthy salon and i and i just mean average healthy i'm not talking about you know the ones that are the creme de la creme i'm talking about i'm a salon owner how much should i be shooting for to keep on the bottom line and can you give me a definition of profit meaning profit's not just what i take home when yep. i when i the owner get behind the chair and cut a little hair and can leave with some tips in my pocket right that's not profit yep. profit's like a different thing Exactly. What profit is, is okay. So how much money did you all collect for doing what you did to take from that, how much you had to pay out in order to get that money coming in? So those two, we call it sales, less than money spent to get those sales equals your profit. That's yeah. it. Healthy is, it really depends. Usually you want to have that profit around 20% or so but also see an upward trend as well as analyzing it to say, all right, what moves can I make? The healthy ones are always gonna be growing and always looking for ways to get better. So you may only, one year you may bring home, it may be 50,000, but if you sit down and talk to, talk to your accountant about it and go, okay, here's what happened. And then you analyze it and say, all right, well, you know what? Here's what worked 
let's make a change so that we can bring in more of that. That's the healthy uh-huh. salon. Uh-huh. And so, and 20%, is that a number that you feel like you see some of your clients are able to get there? That's what I'm seeing. And, but the thing is, is that it could also improve just by making t- uh, tweaks. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I just share that because, you know, I've talked with a lot of salon owners and, and they're just shooting to try to get to 10, mm-hmm. right? And, and most of them, I mean, I've heard a statistic in the industry before and, okay, could you hold me to this at 100% accuracy? I would say no, mm-hmm. but these are numbers I've heard. I've heard 85% of the salon, or excuse me, 80% of salons in America if the owner came out from behind the chair, they would lose money. That the, mm-hmm. that, the, that the owner is the key factor that's keeping the doors open. And the owner more thinks of their chair money as the profit. That anything right. I do, I get to keep, if you will. You know, this is, this is a reality of about 80% of salons from, my, from, from the stat that I heard. Yeah. 15% of salons, they say, break even and and would break even if the owner came out from behind the chair so if the owner came out from behind the chair the doors might be able to stay open right but they wouldn't be making any money that owner wouldn't be taking home any more money they would just be keeping the doors open and then i've heard five poor five percent are actually profitable meaning if the owner came out from behind the chair and didn't cut any hair our owner, the guy that we work for, does does not do hair. He he has hasn't done hair in years and years and years. And I don't believe he ever cut hair inside of his own company. Um, his wife was the hairdresser when they started. They started with four, now up to you know six salons and the rest of the story. But he's an at, he's out from behind the chair, and the company still runs in profits. Yep. So that's kind of the definition that I've heard explained, and I think a lot of owners two things that are on my mind right now is number one, a lot of owners think they're profitable because they take home chair money and they're able to take that home solely. And they do a lot of tax evasion and maybe, and, and a little bit of avoidance. Mm -hmm. And, and secondly, I think there's a disillusion in the hairstylist side of that, the employee side of it, if you will, that the owner's taking home all this money. Can you debunk Hmm. that a little bit for us? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's well, as we are talking about profit, it's really going to be what's on the financial statements. It's going to say this is what the profit is. And really, if you're if you're a employee of a salon and you're thinking the owner's taking that all that money home, maybe it's time for the salon owner to sit down saying, look, guys, this is how we're doing. This is really what's happening. And then walk them through. This is what it costs to run a salon. And at the end of the day, this is how much I'm taking home. Maybe what they're seeing is that the owner's leasing a, an Audi or something, and they see it's nice and pretty, what have you. But they may have found a way to say, okay, well, I'll put it in the name of the business. I'm leasing that, and that's an expense that's coming out of their profit and loss. So really, the business is leasing that Audi, and it may cause a little bit of a uproar at the salon, but if the owner sits down with those salon workers and says, this is what's happening. Guys, in order to keep this, keep the salon open and you all working, then we, this is what we need to do to keep this going. Mm-hmm. And if they think that they can run a salon, and it's also, if, if you're behind the chair and you see 
this owner, you think they're doing great. You know what? Study them. Sit down, talk to them, ask them questions, get involved with the business and say, what does it actually take? And maybe they decide, you know what? I can do this because I can go and find this great CPA who's going to help me lead me through all this and help me keep track of everything, help me build a great business. Or maybe it's like, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to go and stay behind the chair, what have you. So really, it's have a conversation. And I'm sure a lot of salon owners would love to sit with their, their employees and say, you know what, this is how this is happening. Right. We'll bring in a CPA and say, talk to you about, okay, this is, here's how these numbers work. This is what this means for you. That's, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Love that. I think um, when we talk to salon owners, I think one of the challenges that salons have is figuring out how to pay people, right? Mm-hmm. And there are so many options nowadays, right? There's, you know, the model that um, staff can get paid by the hour and they're mm-hmm. W-2 employees, right? They're employees that get paid a commission mm-hmm. and they're generally a W-2 employee. Um, and then there's um, independent contracting where people are suite renters, booth renters, et cetera. Um, and I think one of the challenges that we see in the beauty industry is that when a salon owner first opens their salon, I'm going to set this up a little. When yeah. a salon owner first sets up the salon, because they're behind the chair, as Chris just said, they can offer a certain commission rate, right? Yep. Um, I'm making stuff up here. I'm going to pay my staff 50%. I want them to mm-hmm. have half, right? Yep. And the owner's behind the chair, he's making revenue, and he's taking home a paycheck, or she's taking home a paycheck. Maybe there's enough to lease an Audi, Right. But then all of a sudden the company starts to grow, right? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the owner of our company, it's time to open a second location, maybe a third. Heck, maybe I don't even open a second or third location. It's just, I want to get out from behind the chair. Or so a remodel. I, or a remodel. Yeah. Um, but I want to get out from behind the chair and I want to coach my team. I want to help them grow. Maybe instead of having two locations, I just have a bigger one. Yep. One of the obstacles that comes up is all of a sudden we find out that the commission rate that we pay our teams while we're behind the chair isn't sustainable when we pull out from behind the chair, meaning I don't have that paycheck anymore. Yep. So if I'm that business owner right now and I'm thinking about remodeling, right? Or I'm thinking about enlarging my salon or I'm thinking about not doing as much hair because I want to coach and grow my team. Talk to me, talk to that business owner a little bit. Hey, Here's what you need to do to kind of prep for this so that when you get there, you can actually financially sustain your company. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And really it's sitting down before you sit in front of your employees and say, all right, these are the changes going to happen. Sit down with an accountant and say, all right, accountant, Mr. CPA, Mr. Peden, I want to, this is what I want to do. And here's how I'm kind of how to do it. And then just kind of pick it apart say, all right, if you want to do this, this is what, these are the goals we're going to set. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to come out from behind the chair. Don't do it tomorrow. Please don't right. do that tomorrow, please. But what you want to do is say, okay, so in order to do this, here's what you need to do. What are you currently doing? And maybe there's a change in the commission and you know, be careful because your staff has um, sharp, sharp clippers. Right. Keep, keep, keep that in mind. So what you're going to have to do is say, all right, here's the plan. This is what it's going to do. Here's how it benefits you by making this change. Yes, we're going to come up, cut the emission rate. Here's how you're going to, here's how this is going to be better for you. Mm-hmm. And you may not be able to sell it. And maybe you're going to have some staff turnover, but put together that plan and be able to talk about how it's going to help 
everyone there at the salon. And you know what? You're not going to please everyone. Uh, it's just going to be a fact of life. But if they do walk, what would you do if they did walk? And be ready for that. Chris, what I think I'm hearing you say is it's probably a really good idea to talk to your accountant before you set those commission rates, <laughs> right? Absolutely. So that if you're planning for the future, right, yep. you never have to have that conversation because you're right, um, that never goes well. Yes, it, it yeah. does. It's, you know, what I say to people is, you know, why, why, why are you being nice to your wife? Well, she has the key to the knife drawer. So you just have to be careful. <laughs> Love that. The more you can understand the numbers in your business as an owner, yep. the, the better you can communicate it to the team. And it's my firm belief that the team, and I've had this experience where I, you know, I've gone to the team at my salon at the time and said, guys, we've had some change in the economy or we had a remodel. And there are some things we used to be able to do that I can't, I can't do moving forward. And the people that are on your team and there, and there have were many that said, you know what, we're going to make this change. We're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to make this change because we see that you're trying to do responsible things with the business. Right. And we see that what's happening is the right thing. You're not trying to just shove money in your pockets and you know what, and us unfortunately you can't sustain a long-term business if it's not profitable. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about a profitable business is they seem to have happier cultures mm -hmm. because there are things that you can do with profit that you can't do without such yep. as at our salon, we call them amenities or I call them amenities. We can have education. We can have a company get together. We can give away, you know, John will, often have a contest that gives away some prize gift certificates and nobody there is stressed about can we or can we not buy $50 gift certificates to give away as a um, prize. Right. And so those are the things you can do with profit that you can't do without. When I see an unprofitable salon, oftentimes you'll see stress and worry and the team is falling apart at the seams. So it's not that you're, when you're saying set up commissions, right? Because sometimes it feels like we're talking about yep. our hairstylists and teams and not with our hairstylists yep. and teams. But really yep. what we're trying to do is set it up so you can be an awesome hairstylist. We can have a great environment and all the amenities that it, that it takes for you to continue your career growth. I mean, am, am I saying that right? You're, you're absolutely saying it right. And um, the, the author, Tim Ferriss, talks about opening a kimono. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that's not too politically incorrect for this podcast, but no, really just in open fact, I'm wearing a kimono and I just opened it up as you said that. So, right. They, so really, it's I just feel, saying, look, I feel the air conditioning feels way better now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's great. So what it says is, look, this is, this is really what's happening. Mm -hmm. And when you sit there with the honors team, keep in mind that people don't like the change. Um, I'm trying to get up early and exercise. And so I can attest to how hard it is to make the changes and I'm trying to cut down on the caffeine and sugar, but that's hard. So when Pete, when you're up there and you're, you're concerned about the effect that having this talk with them is going to happen, listen, they don't want to change, but they do want to be talked to like adults and be part of the team. So when you're there and you're saying, kimono's open, here's what's happening. We need to make this change and use we a lot. 
and make sure that you are making as an owner are making the changes as well and you're not doing the, the Audi and you, you you bought the Toyota that you can show them this is what I'm going to do here's how I'm leading you to right. make these changes Chris, we're talking a lot about salon ownership right now. I want to switch gears for half a second to the independent contractor. Yep. You know? So the independent contractor doesn't have that problem of having to figure out what to set the commission rate at, right? Yep. They're the only person. Yet, I'm sure there are some inherent challenges with that business model that show up. And when you work with independent contractors, they find themselves in a little bit of trouble financially. Where are where's the pitfall that often happens in that with that business model that you see? Well, the big one's going to be the self-employment taxes that always come up because you're 1099, you're not having taxes withheld from a paycheck, and then all of a sudden April rolls around and the 15.3% self-employment taxes hit you smack in the face, and then you've got to realize holy cow, where am I coming up with this money to pay this big tax bill? I right. need to set up an installment plan with the IRS and basically put it on a credit card, which that just kind of spirals out of control. So the big thing to do when you're, when you're a com commission or excuse me, 1099 con um, independent contractor, sit down with the accountant. And when I do my, when I do the uh, tax returns for these, these contractors, I say, all right, we're going to do some estimated tax payments for you. So you think that you're going to make the same amount this year as you did last year? Well, yeah. Okay, great. So every quarter, you're going to send in some money to the IRS. And every time you get paid, you're going to take a certain amount. You're going to put it into a savings account. Mm -hmm. And that's going to earn a little bit of interest. Yep. And then at the end of the quarter, when you got to make that payment, you just pull it out of the savings and you make it. And we have a conversation next April says, okay, well, you owe five bucks. And then you'll be pissed because you've got to come up with a $5 bill. And I tell people, you take that $5 bill, you attach it to the voucher, and you mail that sucker in. Because <laughs> I just did some quick math. If I you know, created a $50,000 income for myself behind the chair as an independent contractor, yep. and I multiply that by 15.3%, that's $7,650 I'm going to go oh April 15th. Yep. If I didn't prep for that, man, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. And it's, it's, and there's things that, you know, we can do like the estimated tax payments as well as if you're an independent contractor, those self-employed retirement plans, Hey, you're eligible for those too. Hey, put some money aside so that when, you know, you're, you're, you're 90 years old and you don't want to cut hair anymore, you can pull some of that money out and buy an Island. I like that. I want to buy an Island. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I even have a couple already picked out. Just saying. Well, there we go. <laughs> John, I'll tell you, I'm really enjoying this conversation with Chris um, so far today. I mean, it's just, I feel like he's shed some light on number one, the importance of finding a financial partner, a CPA mm -hmm. that you can get together and talk with and maybe take a little bit of the fear out of the fact that we don't know about this stuff. You know, we spend right. our time cutting hair. We spend our time working with people and suddenly we have this big, scary tax thing that's coming up. I'd love to hear what's going through your head as we're having this conversation with Chris. You know, I love hearing about, I like hearing about the change in the accounting industry as a whole, where we're kind of re-engineering how accountants interact with business owners. It's not just that we're counting the beans anymore. You know, we're counting the beans, but we're also strategic partners to help you this make, 
better decisions as to how to move your industry forward. And I think whether you're a salon owner, whether you're an independent contractor, I think the idea that you have this person in your corner helping you make good decisions to help you grow your, your financial wealth, I'd love that. Um, I loved all the different points that Chris gave us on things to kind of look out for. Um, I love his advice on, you know, <laughs> it'd be great if you got a prospective accountant, put them in your chair and cut their hair, have a conversation. And if this seems like somebody you can, you know, have a conversation with and not feel like you're a dope, um, you know, I love that. And um, <laughs> I should have thought of that before, <laughs> put my accountant in a chair and, you know, had a, had a conversation. Yeah, you know, sometimes we're so afraid of our accountant and yeah. we don't yeah. and we and, and a lot of us don't know the questions to ask. Yeah. Um golly, maybe that's actually one more question that I have for you Chris is are there some general questions that as I'm walking away here um I should ask be I should know to ask my accountant up front. Well, if you're talking to him for the first time, you want to ask him if they have any experience with not, not just salon owners, but also with businesses, small businesses, because some businesses I've run into, I'm starting to run into this a lot. They don't want to work with the smaller businesses. So see what their attitude is towards a smaller business. Ask them that and then say, all right, how often, or what's the best way for me to talk to you and get in contact with you when I have questions? Or, hey, what am, what am I missing here? How, do you, how are you going to make my business successful? Remember, you are interviewing them. Like they are just out of beauty school and they are nervous sitting in the chair in front of you. Because believe me, when, you, when a CPA is sitting down in front of a potential client, we're nervous too. So you know what? You interview them, know that you have the power because you write in that check. So awesome. that's what we do. Thank you, Chris. That was great. Hey, Chris. Uh, for those people that we have listening that are maybe interested in contacting you and asking some questions. I mean, you seem like a great guy. You're, you're loving on our industry, which is, you know, hairstylists love to be loved on. Um, how do we, how would we find it? How do we reach you? Well, I'm at uh, Peden Accounting Services and that's my website. Uh, and my email is Chris at Peden Accounting Services. Um, if you could put that in the show notes, what have you, because it's a long darn name. You got it. But that's how, that's really how. And um, actually, I think I've also sent you all a link where people can set up an appointment. They can talk with me and we'll set it up and sit down and talk. And I will talk your ear off. I'm a converted Southerner and we will talk and talk and talk. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yep. Just as Chris said, we'll have those in the show notes below. By the way, Peden is spelled P-E-D-E-N. You yep. probably see it in your podcast notes already. Um Chris, knowing that we work with people from that are just starting cosmetology school, so like literally coming out of high school, a lot of these people find their way into the industry because it's, you know, they're called to it very young. And we, you know, work with people all the way um, in the twilight of their career, we'll say kindly. Yep. Um, anything you feel like we're leaving on the table? No, if I could actually make a suggestion to your salon, there used to be a show called Tabitha. Yep. Um, you watch that. Also, watch Bar Rescue. Okay. Because to, take watch that because that is an excellent um, lesson on how to run a business if you aren't a business owner. So get addicted to that. Watch that. Watch Tabitha. Uh, find great coaches like Nikki, Nikki Lee, and also the two gentlemen I'm talking with today. Talk to them and pick their brain till that's leaking out their ear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually really glad you said that because John and I have not mentioned this yet. 
but last year before COVID, we had a four-day intensive workshop for salon owners and managers. It was in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You've probably heard it mentioned on a couple of the throwback Thursdays lately, um, but we're going to do that again virtually this upcoming February. John, do you have anything you want to say about that? Yeah, it's uh, four days on online trainings. So you don't have to leave home. You don't have to risk, you know, any, um, you know, contamination if you're concerned about the COVID pandemic, but it's four days of intensive learning. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff that Chris just talked about. We talk about finance. We talk about profit and loss statements, cash flow plans, balance sheets. We talk about leadership and how to help direct your teams. We talk about how to make more money behind the chair. So it's an all-encompassing program. It's four days days it comes complete with a couple of coaching sessions in between so if you need some individual attention we can do that as well um, we'll have more information for you in the show notes below uh, yet if you're looking for that next level education um, at a reasonable cost that also allows you not to have to leave home really look into this four-day presentation i think you'll like it yeah because we are able to do this virtually we were able to substantially change the cost of the program. And if you happen to be a Kuhn salon, a lot of our listeners uh, hang out in that network. It's a, it's a brand that we're interactive with. You can actually use Kuhn points or loyalty dollars to purchase tickets to that as well. So it's February 22nd. It runs through March 1st because we'll do it two weekends back to back. Right. And uh, if you click Kuhn Education or if you email us at info, at 124go.com. We'd be happy to give you all the details and get you registered and signed up. Chris Peden, thank you so much again. This has been an enlightening conversation. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up there. I, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets its, gets its wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting its wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.